0: I think there was a few times in my life where my mom and dad came mighty close to saying, Dave, you're out of the family. Okay. But their love for me conquered that temptation. All right. Um, Our message today comes from uh, the second chapter to the Ephesians, uh, verses 1 through 10. Uh, But I'd like to start off by way of introduction uh, with uh, the story of Nicodemus that can be found in the third chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can see these signs Now, um, as we move on in this section, uh, Jesus uh, rebukes Nicodemus, a rabbi and and leader of the Jewish people, that he doesn't understand why someone needs to be born again. And the reason why Jesus is a little harsh with um, Nicodemus is because approximately 500 years earlier, when uh, the people of Israel had fallen into sin, and actually they were exiled in Babylon after the fall of Jerusalem, uh, God, through his uh, prophet Ezekiel, told the people that he was going to uh, restore them despite their sinful nature, and uh, in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, verse 26, tells his people And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What um, Ezekiel is prophesying there is that God will restore his people and essentially give them a rebirth. They'll be born again. Well, let's take a look now at the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. We start off with verses 1 through 3 in uh, the second chapter with the heart of stone, spiritual death, Uh, dead in trespasses and the sins in which we once walked. We were spiritually dead, following our sinful nature in in active rebellion against God, in Galatians chapter five, verses uh, 19 through 21, uh, Paul talks a little more uh, explicitly about what uh, this uh, being spiritually dead and um, uh, walking in the fruit of the flesh is all about. Now, uh, yesterday, I was at uh, college commencement and the the, um, main speaker of the day, made six references to Game of Thrones. I'm not gonna do that, okay? <laughs> I'll only make one. <clears throat> when uh, we read through uh, the fruit of the flesh that can be found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, all you have to do is think of all the goings-on on Game of Thrones, and you'll have a sense of um, the sinful nature, and the fruit of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, origins, orgies, and things like these. I mean, is that Game of Thrones? Okay. So... Uh, At the time, this this book was written. It was written to um, Christians in Ephesus. Remember, at the time, Ephesus was in part of the Roman Empire, which was pagan at the time. And uh, a lot of these things were uh, just sort of like the way people were. But uh, in fact, uh, people have been like that for a long time I mean, all you have to do is uh, read through Genesis and look at the patriarchs of the church, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the things that they and their family got involved in, and it reads pretty much the same way. Uh, Moreover, uh, all you have to do is look at television or, or, you know, see the news, and you see the same kinds of things happening in terms of... uh, People who don't know God uh, think that all of these things are just part of human nature and and they behave according to that nature. Now, uh, once we've been born again, do we struggle with these things? Sure we do. But the difference is we're not enslaved by them. We have a capacity for resisting. And as we go in Christ, the struggle uh, becomes easier. So um, we've struggled with these things since uh, the beginning, actually, before the patriarchs. Uh, you could go back to Cain and Abel. You could go back to uh, Adam and Eve. And it's, it's all the same stuff. Um, and as a consequence of that, we are children of wrath. Those who engage in these things are uh, exposed to God's anger and and, uh, ripe for judgment and destruction. The wages of sin is death. So, um, one might think that, well, you know, uh, that's those people, that's not me and even, you know uh, we're saved, but even so, we still struggle with sin. And there may be some who feel like, oh no, I don't do any of that stuff. And, and the good reference there uh, goes back to uh, Psalms, chapter 14, verses one, and, one through three. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So, we're all in need of rebirth, turning our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God is merciful despite our rebellion. Why? Because he loves us. He loved us. He loves us now. And um, the summary of this is actually, you know, the famous verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Through this grace, grace here of course means unmerited favor. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but God gives it anyway because of his love, we're made alive. The hearts of stone become hearts of flesh. As Christ's children, we share in his triumph. He, um, as part of God's plan, uh, sacrificed himself on the cross for us. And he triumphed over sin, he triumphed over death. And through his triumph, we take a share in two ways from a physical standpoint, on the last day, as it says, we will be raised physically to be with God in the new Jerusalem. However, even today, before this physical death, we share with Christ and are joined to him spiritually in the heavenly realms. And in fact, uh, uh, communion, that's what communion is really all about our spiritual union uh, with Christ, right, the sacrament. Moreover, the blessings that we receive and the way we are um, the, are a witness to God's glory throughout the ages, well, We'll get into that uh, in a little bit uh, later, but moving on to verse 8. <clears throat> For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Well, uh, this is another famous passage here. From what are we saved? I mean, we're saved? Well, what does that mean? From what are we saved? And uh, God's, the answer is God's righteousness judgment. We are saved. Because of his love, because of his grace, through his grace, from God's judgment, meaning death and destruction, it's undeserved. It's simply a blessing that comes from him. Through faith. Well, what does that mean? I believe, what do I believe? Uh, Faith is uh, having some knowledge, and understanding of what the gospel is, of God's story of salvation. A belief in Christ's atoning sacrifice and reliance on Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's, if you believe that, that's the essence of faith that brings salvation. This faith, does it just sort of happen by itself? Can Anyone actually decide I choose to believe? No, it really doesn't work that way. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit of uh, my own story of coming to faith. When uh, uh, my wife Kathy and I uh, lived in Maine, well, before then, even I was brought up in a Christian household and I attended church and I said the things that were expected of me. Essentially, I had uh, a faith or a practice that was based on growing up into it, but I, I hadn't really adopted it as my own. Then after Kathy and I had moved to Maine and uh, Paul uh, had just come into the world, uh, and we were deciding, well, what does, what does faith really mean? What does, you know, being, what is a, being a Christian all about? And at that point in my life, I wasn't unsu- I wasn't really sure if I was a believer or not. And um, I decided, you know, I I made the decision. Well, I don't know if I'm a believer or not, but I'll pray. I'll pray to God that if uh, you're out there, you will give me some faith. And uh, all, all I could speak for myself is. As a consequence of that, my faith uh, was born, beginning as sort of a seed, but over the years, uh, it's grown. So that's how it worked for me. I think for many things, you know, we all sort of experience that uh, we can strive to make ourselves believe, but when it comes to faith in Christ, I don't think it works that way. We come to faith through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, It's God who calls us and quickens us and changes our heart from stone to flesh that then allows us to actually believe. And that's where faith starts, with the work of the Holy Spirit uh, working inside of us. So, with with the heart of flesh, we are not enslaved... To the fruit of the flesh. We uh, grow and become blessed through the f- fruit of the Spirit. As it says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're capable of these things because we have living hearts and, and as I say, are not dead to God. Looking on in verse 9. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Now... There anyone who's good enough on their own to be in the family of God uh, without faith? And so, um, once again, uh, Paul in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 3 through 9, actually speaks to this from his own experience. And here he writes of himself and his righteousness. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's boasting here. Circumcised on the eighth day, not on the seventh, not on the ninth, the eighth day as it's supposed to be of the people of Israel, not a Gentile of the tribe of Benjamin, not some Reubenite, right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, a strict adherer to the law. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, which is what uh, the early, um, uh, what the Pharisees did to the early Christians. They persecuted them, and Paul was part of that persecution. As to righteousness under the law, Blameless. I mean, Paul here is really bragging. But then he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, brief clarification here. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Now, um, this is sort of a soft translation, the word rubbish, a more Literal translation, and I'm going to be softer than what uh, Paul actually said is count them as poop. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right. The point is uh, all of the good things we do are. don't measure up. Therefore, uh, our righteousness for God does not come stem from our works. It stems from our faith in Christ's sacrifice, atoning sacrifice, being risen from the dead and being seated in glory. Faith in that brings our justification and makes us a part of God's family. Now, verse 10. Given that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. God knows. Did God know we were going to be his people? Yes. Did he have things for us to do before we knew what uh, God had in mind? Sure. That we should walk in them, the good works. Well, I'll just give you a couple of quick examples. Uh, a few years ago, um, I offered a course on, uh, in college on religion and healthcare. And we were talking about uh, the early Christian church during a time in the Roman Empire uh, when Rome was pagan and uh, Christians were being persecuted. They were literally being thrown to lions for entertainment. They were being burned as torches at night to provide illumination. It was a hard life being a Christian in the Roman Empire at that time. But another thing that was true at that time was that uh, plagues would occur in Rome uh, because it's a city, and plagues would sort of spread uh, through the city and, and kill sizable fractions of the population. And what the Romans would do is they'd take the people who got sick and throw them out in the streets. Uh, part of that was because uh, of the Roman ethic. They, they value strength, not sickness. So they had, you know, no compunction about keeping people in their households who were not strong, who were ailing. Beyond that, um, plague is contagious, right? And you wanted to separate yourselves. So you had uh, sick people being thrown out in the streets and what happened was, Christians who lived in Rome at the time would collect the people who were on the streets gather them together in their homes and care for them. Now, uh, maybe it's, they could only do a limited amount, but at least they can make them clean, they could give them uh, some dignity which comes with being a human being, and uh, they were essentially being graceful to the very people who enjoyed the entertainment of uh, watching Christians being thrown to the lions. It's hard hard to think that that actually happened, but it did. And as a consequence, it even uh, got to the point where the emperor of Rome had to admit that it's the Christians who are taking care of these people that we're throwing out on the streets. And so what happened in a relatively short period of time? A couple of things happened. One, the Christian faith grew about faster than than it has at any other point in history. And number two, the mighty Roman Empire, greatest empire in the world, gave up paganism and became Christian. What is the uh, legacy of that? The legacy of that is this is the beginning place of where hospitals came from, where people came together to care for the sick and the injured. And in fact, um, you know, you think of big hospital systems like UPMC and AGH and, you know, Allegheny Health Network. Those are tiny. The largest network of hospitals in the world are run by churches. To this day, you know, in in terms of Pittsburgh, you have the legacy. There's Presby, right, that started out being a Presbyterian work, and Mercy, and there used to be St. Francis, there's still St. Barnabas. All of those started off as works of the church, who, you know, for the purpose as stated in verse 10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So what's the purpose of these good works? Are the purpose of the good works to become saved? No. The purpose of the good works is to express our love at the God who saved us. So, you know, that's pretty big stuff. Do uh, today, do we still do good works in the church? Sure we do. I mean, we're just sending a missionary out to Indonesia, right? There's Habitat for Humanity, a Christian work headed up by Jimmy Carter. There is Samaritan's Purse, right? Helping people in need in the Middle East. Uh, we sent a mission group up to um, Moose Factory in Northern Canada to help the Native Americans who live there. We send people to help in hurricanes. Uh, and not in the hurricane itself, but to recover from the hurricanes. Why do we do that? We do that out of love for our brothers and sisters. Remember the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors as yourself. And so what that love is, is it it mirrors God's love for us. And so in response to that, We love the Lord, and we wish to follow him, and we wish to resist the sinful temptations that we still struggle with. And we seek uh, to be witnesses to God's truth in how we treat our neighbors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for being a God who, despite our sinful selves, um, adopted us through your grace, as your children. We pray, Lord, that uh, we would grow uh, in faith, in knowledge, and in the Spirit so that we can be faithful witnesses to you in Pittsburgh, this country, and around the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.